broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Welcome back to another week of The Hunting Show and the sounds that introduced us just then were taken earlier this morning and it was myself and Mike Felton and we're out in a lake somewhere in the Waikato and it's second weekend of duck shooting, still having a really good time. Now before we get into the show, I want to talk to you a little bit about something that's close to my heart completely off the topic and unrelated to the my my that I'm standing in right now and that is Star Wars and the reason I want to mention Star Wars is that I was reading only a couple of days ago about this new Star Wars movie that's coming out in December so not very far away at all and not all of you guys are going to be Star Wars fans but I have to make a confession I was talking to Mrs. Spargo and she she doesn't like it. She was saying to me that Star Wars isn't really her thing, and then I tried to do that thing where I justify it. So the idea was is I'd tell her all about Star Wars and how it was. And something I found extremely frustrating, you cannot get, legally or otherwise, a decent copy of the original Star Wars. It's like George Lucas had them wiped from the planet, and all I can get is that digitally enhanced rubbish that came out not so long ago. So if any of you have access to that original Star Wars movie, and I'm talking the one pre-1990 whatever it was when George Lucas got his little hairy finger and decided to, uh, to muck around with what was a great set of movies, I'd like a copy of that. And apparently Disney, now that they own it, are going to re-release the originals with nothing changed. So We'll see, we'll see. But in the meantime, I'd like to introduce Mrs. Spargo to Star Wars as it was, what we will remember. And I'm sure I'm not going to be able to bring up the hype to what it was way back then, but um, I'm going to try. So at least when I take her along to this new Star Wars movie coming out in December, she's going to get what, what I'm going through. Now, another Star Wars fan is Mike Felton. We talked about this just off air, which is what got me onto the topic. Mike, we arrived this morning, well, it was about 5... 30, um, we came across the lake. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how duck shooting's gone out here for you so far? So you had opening weekend last weekend. Um, what, what's been going on? Yeah, no, um, opening weekend was was fantastic for us. We um, limited out both days on, on parries and mallards. Um, geese were a bit scarce, didn't really see any of them. But um, and, and this weekend being um, a second weekend, we've got, I think, nine on the ground already. So... You know, things are you know, still fairly good. Uh, no one else is out, unfortunately, which slows down you know, the keen buggers like myself and uh, you. And So hopefully they'll hear this and get out in the third weekend and give us a hand. 
something that because I had to confess last time I was out here that I'm not by any means a duck shooter, and so you put you gave me the challenge: come out during duck shooting and give it a go. And and I suppose one of the only f- things that sat in the back of my mind is whether it would be as big a thrill as dropping that big stag or or taking on that, which is really uh, where I feel like where my hunting love lies. And I have to say, it has been exactly what I wanted. I, I come out here, you still get that thrill. It's still a real buzz to take down a bird. And it's it's also about, I couldn't believe, you know, if you look through the um, the slideshow that comes along with the podcast, you'll see some of the imagery from, or photos I took early this morning. And I have to say, it, it is that too. You get that great sense of awe about where you are. It's great to be here with someone I can talk rubbish with all day. And I also you also get the thrill of of the of it's not quite hunting, is it? It's shooting, but you still get that thrill, and there's still an awful lot of skill involved, isn't there? Yeah, there's probably more skill involved with people who can shoot rather than myself. You've seen that this morning, but you know when you get up this morning, you know, like we did, and you get here and you see the sunrise and the lake and the bird life. I mean, where else would you rather be? You know, it's better than being sitting at home playing PlayStation or, and this is my own personal opinion. I don't mean to you know, offend anyone, but you know. To me, at 40-something years of age, I forget how old I am now, uh, nearly 44, it's still a bigger thrill as when I was 16. It really is. I mean, it's it's a passion. I just love it to bits. We're pretty hard on poor old PlayStation because I, <laughs> I use that as well. But you are right. This is this is kind of it, isn't it? This is this is what we live for. We were saying before, again off air, um, that we both we're both pretty hard workers and we 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 do our best to make sure that we're good providers and all that good stuff. But but we do that so that this can happen or this kind of thing can happen so we can enjoy the the good stuff, eh? Oh, absolutely. I mean. Years ago, I read a sign somewhere that says, I don't work to live, I live to work. Well, that's exactly what I do. I work so I can have a life, you know. And, yeah, you know, some weeks I'm doing 50, 60 hours a week, um, but I still schedule in. And this is my time. My wife will tell you it's good for my head. We don't argue because I'm not at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so it's a win-win for both of us. And when I get home, I'm happy, you know. Um, as they're saying, happy wife, happy life also works reverse. Yeah, actually, you've made a really good point there because I, I find the same thing, and I've talked about this on earlier shows. If you go back through the archive, I talk about how hunting gets that gives you that opportunity to slow down. You're not on. You're here. You you are living in the moment. You know, it's that old um, psychology thing. You know that uh, you know, when you're having a shower, you're really in the shower, or you're thinking about a thousand other things that you've got to get done. <laughs> Um, when you're here, you're forced to think about the now. You know, I have to confess, um, we're pretty late in recording the show because I stopped thinking about it. I wasn't sitting here going, oh gosh, I've got to get this in the can and make sure the show sounds great. That's a nice feeling, eh? It's the best feeling ever. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Um, you know, we all do live you know, pretty hectic lives, you know, work and whatnot and family issues and so on and so forth, relationships. But I come out here and I'm one with myself. Now, I don't know too many people who can actually say that and mean it. I actually do. I mean, I'm out here and I'm purely and utterly content. I've got what I've got and, and that's all I need. Now, now, to get back on to the duck shooting, I'd like to know a little bit more about calling. So, again, I'm not a duck shooter yet. or seem to have started to – I've gone through the initiation. I've, I've 
you know, put the strange three knocks on the door and done the secret handshake. And now it's time to, to learn a little bit more. I was watching you calling this morning and, and listeners have just heard some of that. Can you tell us a little bit about calling in ducks? And this is only from your point of view. I know there's a thousand other opinions out there. As I said a few weeks ago, I don't call a duck unless it's doing something I don't want it to do. So if it's flying past, you give it the big burst, you know, the hail call, you know, hey, come back here, you know, I want to shoot you. Uh, if they're coming in, uh, you've heard a chuckle, just a nice little chuckle. Low light conditions, um, the drake whistle works, you know, sort of really, really well as well. So watch the bird, see what they're doing. If they're not responding, try something else. Now, you, you might notice I had three callers in my hand at one stage there, and, it, and that's to get the right caller for that bird. You know, a lot of guys will buy one caller. I've got five here, I think, at the moment. Um, you know, and it's a bit like a woman's voice. Some you like and some drive you nuts. I mean, same with the caller. Um, some ducks don't like a particular caller, and yet the next mob that come through do. So, yeah, just play around with it and see what they're doing. And, and I suppose the next step is actually learning how to call. Now, have you got any tips for someone that's learning how to call? I know there's a couple of DVDs around. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, but I suppose getting out there and practicing is the, the key, isn't it? Absolutely. One of the, the things I said you just uh, before off air when you were um, playing back some audio was I've actually never heard myself call on tape. And what I heard, I don't know what you listeners think, but I actually liked it. Uh, to me, it's, it sounded like what I wanted to achieve. So that's another string to your bow when you're practicing. You know, record yourself. Have a listen. Now, does that sound like a duck? If it does, stick with it. If it doesn't, try something else. I've got a bit of a thing I want to mention to you now, but earlier on you were doing some calls and where we are, it was extremely flat and it was very calm at that time of the day and there was an awful lot of echoing. Now, duck call, ducks don't echo, do they? Or they do echo, it's been proven, but realistically you don't hear the echo. Um, is that, am I just gripping at some weird straw or just something I noticed? No, you did right. It was that calm this morning that you know, the, the lake was like a sheet of glass, there wasn't a breath of wind, hardly a cloud in the sky and you could hear it it echoing, I don't know, probably eight times. Now, not ideal. What can you do about it? Nothing. So you just got to stick with it. Yeah. Okay, that was just a question that I, that I had. Now, then there's the shooting. <laughs> now, we, we've we've had some really good shots this morning. I, my first shot that came out of the gun, I, um, I dropped a duck right in front of us. Uh, but we've also had a couple of average shots as well, and I suppose that's to be expected. Um... And, and one thing I commented on was that, you know, I didn't go out and do the clay shoot, shoot beforehand and get my eye in and all that stuff that people say you should do. Unfortunately, time wasn't permitting. But we, we're getting there, aren't we? It's sort of something as the day goes, the shooting gets better, or is that just me? <laughs> no, no, it's quite funny. Normally I'll go out and, you know, and shoot a box of clays, you know, take some ammo out, learn what the ammo does, you know, learn where to lead, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, a bit like you, this year I, I didn't actually get around to it. I had other things and, you know, trip overseas and so forth. But practice, practice, practice. And and the more you do it and the more you swing through, and I like to analyse why I miss. Uh, you saw me do that earlier with a, a duck that by rights should be hanging a tree behind us. Um, you sort it out, and, you know, and just work through your little issues. And, you know, a bit like rifle shooting, you know, why did I miss that stag standing 150 metres away when I could see all of them, you know? So, yeah, practice. And 
Okay, so we're going for that. Now, your dogs. I, I want to mention the dogs because I think that that's, I mean, that's that's a, a very, very integral part of, of shooting. Most guys have dogs. I don't own dogs. So thankfully, I'm, I'm like, oh, I've got you and, and your dogs here. How do you keep them entertained? Uh, one, when you're not shooting, so they're just sitting around at the moment. They've been very well behaved, I've noticed. Um, and then that off-season training. They're only being behaved because mum turned up half an hour ago. Um, you know, like right now they've had a, an early wake up this morning at four o'clock, so they're just quite happy to lay in the sun and have a sleep. Um, as for off-season training, I'm very fortunate. I've got a 12-year-old and a two-year-old, so the two-year-old's learning off the 12-year-old. So if you've got a dog that you want to learn um, by itself, it does take a lot of work. You know, get one of those docking uh, mallard duck uh, retrieving things and, you know, and just play with it. You know, get, get your dog to enjoy what it's doing. You know, give it a reward if that's what it takes, you know, a little biscuit or something. And that's something I've really noticed is the dogs are out here and for them this is it too. You know, they, they love the work, uh, they love the, 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 the thrill of the whole thing and they're excited when, the, when something goes past and the calling starts. They know that they're on sometime very soon and there's been some negativity coming around the place about you know you why would you make your dogs do this and um what, what's your thoughts on that people who say they need to pull their heads in if they've actually been out and seen how excited a dog gets for jumping into water that i don't want to get into because it's too cold to bring that prize back to dad or mum and their tails are wagging they're smiling they're loving it that's what they were specifically bred for, um, you know, Labradors, you know, etc. It's cruel, in my opinion, not to do it. It's crueler to let them stay at home, locked in the yard all its life, never get out, experience, you know, the wildlife, what it's, you know, what it's all about, and so forth. So, people who say it's cruel, take your opinions elsewhere. This is what my dogs love to do, and every dog I know who does this, they get so excited. You know, you can be at home on Thursday pull out your shotgun and give it a clean, they won't leave your side. They want to get out there and work for you. So the next question that I have, coming at you from a novice, and there's going to be some experienced duck shooters out there that are kind of going to roll their eyes at this, but you've got your decoys set out here on my left. Tell us a little bit about how you set out a decoy or how you look at doing it and what makes a good decoy as well. Um, but also, when you're, when you're putting them out, is it, is it pretty random? You're just chucking them around? Or are you? is there a bit of a plan to it? Um, wouldn't say so much of a plan, but it's the end result I'm after. Now I've got geese, swans, parries and mallards. What makes a good decoy is realism. Um, you know, the mother-in-law's here, I just went and picked her up a little while ago, and the first time she saw the decoys, she actually thought that they were real ducks. You know, they are the top-end stuff. That does make a good decoy. As for placement, I try and, you know, I've... I've been out, looked at the birds in the wild, you know, see how they interact. So that's how I try and spread them out. I make it comfortable. If they're all in little groups, then this, you know, they're all on edge. Whereas if they're all spread out, all mingled together, hey, there's food, you know, they're happy, and hopefully, and we had a bit of success this morning, you know, the birds will actually come in and, you know, try and land it amongst them. Well, I, I shot a parry when you were up in further up the lake and my theory that I sort of come up with and you might tell me it's right or wrong is actually that was coming into the decoys the, they thought that these guys looked safe he came in because I wasn't calling um, and, and it was he had a bad day really but he came in for that is, is that how that works? 
Absolutely. Yep. You know, if it's happy, you know, I know I get home sometimes, the wife's had a hard day at work. I walk in the door and, and she's got that face of thunder. The, you know, you're going to be on edge. So if you can set your decoys out, so the ducks, you know, getting home, walking in the door, hey, this is a nice relaxed atmosphere, bang, and they try and land on the couch. Okay, Mike, so what do you use for decoys at home? Can't answer that one, mate. That's, <laughs> <coughs> that's quite a personal question, really. <laughs> diamonds, my friend, diamonds. <laughs> yeah, diamonds. I'll, I'll, we're going to stop that little bit of conversation right there because I know it was, it was about to get very awkward for, for poor old Mike. Now, the other thing for you, Mike, is it's a bit of a family affair. You've got me out here, and I'm not family, but you've got your wife and your mother-in-law out here as well. How often does that happen, or is this something you're sort of out here by yourself most of the time? It's a once-off, mate. It's a once-off. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, so you've got the decoys out. Uh, the, one of the questions I had about decoys, and, and this, again, is going to make the old experienced shooter roll their eyes, is why don't they make them out of real feathers? You've got all the feathers that you're going to take off the dark. Why don't decoys get made out of real feathers? Cost and longevity. I've, I've actually thought for years, and I must actually get off mass and try this one day, is to actually skin a duck, tan the hide, and stretch it over a, you know, over a decoy and just see how it works. It would have to work, but how will it last? I think that would be the thing, and the cost factor, um, and probably get you know, all the greenies up in arms, oh, you've got to kill ducks to kill more ducks. Well, yeah, okay, go away. Um, and that's where the flockings come about. You know, I've got some allies out there in the Canadas, you know, they're flocked. It's to try and get that realism. You can really see the difference between the ones out there that are fully flocked and the, you've got a couple out there that are a bit more plasticky. Um, really, I mean, you can see the shine on the top, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, correct. If you have a look at the, at the Avian X black ducks out there, uh, the black mallards, I think they call them, I mean, they do look real, you know, and we've had mallards this morning try and land in amongst those decoys, you know, so tell me they don't work and have a happy day. Okay, well, let's try that. I think I think that's on the cards because I, you look at if you get something that's a, or a duck or a, or a game bird that's been taxidermied, uh, they they last forever, don't they? So there must be a way to make them work, and maybe it is just that. Maybe it just takes up too much time, or maybe it's the impossible dream. Nothing's impossible. I got the mother-in-law here. Um, you know, I re you know I really do believe it'll work. Uh, the longevity aspect is probably more in storage. You'd have to keep, you know, your buggers and so forth away from them so they didn't eat through them and you know, rot them and stuff. And, but yeah, hey, if we can if we can work out a way to do it, then by all means, man, I'll give you a hand. Yeah, polystyrene duck underneath or something. I'm sure we can figure something out, eh? Now, okay. So talking to me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm new to this. This is this is something I'm getting. You know, I've tried for the first year. What what are some advice? You've seen me shoot now. You've seen what I've been up to. You must have a few bits of advice for me. No. You've shot ducks. You've enjoyed yourself. You've got a smile on your face. That's what the whole experience should be about. Let's not get too carried away with learning how to shoot 10 out of 10 or 20 out of 20. Let's not get too carried away about having $3,000 with the decoys on the water. It's the experience. You know, and that... If it makes you happy, do it. You know, that's... I've got no advice for you. I mean, you've you picked it up you know, pretty quick. I mean, Christ, your first shot, you nailed one. I mean, really, what advice can I give you? 
I suppose the other thing for people that are looking at getting into this, this doesn't have to be an expensive sport, does it? Um, we're very lucky. Oh, I'm fortunate enough to have you know, a fairly nice firearm with me, and um, it's, I don't own it. I borrowed that. But you know, you can do this a lot cheaper, can't you? Absolutely. You know, I wouldn't recommend um, anyone, if they're looking at getting into this, going out and spending $10,000, especially if the wife doesn't like that. But or husband. Or husband, and then after a month, going yeah, no, nah, look, not for me. So you just, you know, you just spend a whole lot of money that now you're lumbered with, and you try and sell, and you won't get anything back for it hardly. But so yeah, you know, you can go out, you can buy a, you know, a decent, a set of decoys, you know, twelve decoys, hundred bucks. You go out and buy a shotgun, you know, for under a thousand dollars, and get some decent ammo, and you're away. So it doesn't need to be as expensive. I mean, also secondhand stuff, you know. Trade me, there's always secondhand guns and decoys and stuff on there, you know, so yeah. And there's also secondhand guns in most of the firearms shops as well, and those guys in there can be your first point of call. You can go into your local hunting and fishing store or your local, um, you know, whatever store that you've got there that, that specialises in this kind of product, and in theory, those guys are going to be able to give you some good advice, eh? I was actually hoping you were going to say that. I mean, the knowledge base from Sparky and, you know, and Taupo, um, ah, sorry, Skitty. You know, yes, he's a young fella, but he's actually a bloody good hunter, and he knows he knows his stuff. You know, and and cross, he's half my age, and he and he told me something the other day that I'd never even thought of. So, you know, knowledge base. You know, talk to people. They are good. They can advise you which firearm, how the firearm should fit you, because a lot of people just buy a firearm, go out and use it, and they miss. It's not because of the firearm, not because of them. It's because of the mix. Yeah. You know, it's not healed properly. It's not towed properly. You know. You think you're pointing here, but it's actually, you know, three inches to the left and, you know, two feet up. I mean, you know, so before you buy anything, go and talk to someone, get some advice. And Skitty is Mark Clinch, and that's who we did the show with a few weeks ago. If you go back through the archive, uh, Mark was calling in some seeker unsuccessfully that day. It was very early in the season, but you did get to hear... It was Christmas. <laughs> it wasn't quite Christmas. You did get to hear Mark have a bit of a go at calling, and uh, the little rat is actually... He's not actually little. He's way taller than me, but that little rat is very, very good at that kind of stuff. And so, and, and full credit to him for coming on the show. We've got a little bit of time now. It seems to be the middle of the day has gone a bit quiet. Is that normal? Absolutely. You know, it's like most wild game. Low light conditions is when they get more active. It comes down to predators and so forth. And Mrs. is just pointing, oh, yeah, there's swans flying around. Um, your middle of the day is normally, you know, I mean, last weekend was, a f I must be getting old, man. I can't believe I did this. Last weekend was the first weekend ever I went and had an afternoon nap. Because I, I was sitting in the chair and I was just nodding off and my mate said, man, you're snoring out loud, the ducks are flaring off. So I went and had a nap. So, yeah, your middle of the day is, is normally when we have a you know, big lunch, you know, which is sort of dinner. Then we have a snack later on. You have a bit of a sleep if you want one and you just you do what you want to do. You know, tidy the mind, I need to sweep it out. It's got a bit of dirt on the floor and the missus is not happy. But, um, you know, there is quite periods, but, you know, don't be fooled. As soon as you turn your back to make a cup of tea, a duck will land behind you. Actually, we noticed that before. I had the old jet boil going. First time I turned it on, I thought, oh, it's gone a little bit quiet. Make a cuppa, and, and, and what happened, that was when all of a sudden things were flying, and I was trying to grab something. And uh, So you're absolutely right, isn't it? As soon as you don't think it's going to happen, uh, you, you know, the, the, it'll, all, it'll all happen right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, I can think of numerous occasions that's happened, not just duck shooting, but deer stalking. You know, you take your eye off the prize for two seconds, and all of a sudden there's a stag running away from you. I mean... 
it's just nature in it. And I, I want to touch very quickly before we finish the show for today on the culture of duck shooting and the etiquette that that's involved as well. And there's going to be some people out there that are very experienced duck shooters and there's going to be others that listen to the show that this isn't their sport and they're just listening because they listen in every week and they're deer hunters or they're pig hunters or, or whatever they are. Um, can you go through a little bit of those things? First of all, my mys and how, you get, how do you get one of those and what's the rules around that? There's a pegging day which is normally... I think the second week in April, sec uh, uh, first weekend in April, I think it is. We're up until um, uh, 10 o'clock that morning. The previous um, tag has first right. After 10 o'clock in the morning on that day, um, if it hasn't been tagged, then by all means you can put your tag on it. But isn't that, if, if someone's going to be there and they're going to turn up at 11 o'clock, um, because of whatever reason, or they're running late, can't, isn't that a little bit wanky just to go, oh, my now it's 10 o'clock, you know, or is that just not how guys do this? That is, oh, ducks, now that is the law, and yes, if someone did that to my mind, my, it would be very wanky. <laughs> um, and, and my 260 is good for 1,300 metres, people. Um, it, yeah, it is a bit wanky. Um, most guys I know, you know, where we shoot here, you know, we know that if your tag's not on the my my, no one else is going to tag it because that's where you've shot for X amount of years. At the end of the day, if someone come along and tagged it and you got here opening day, they'd get told to move on, even though there's no legal grounds for that, but, you know, it's just etiquette. Um, or, as I said in our last interview, um, you know, go and find something where the birds are and put a tag up. You know, build yourself a little hut or a little my my, whatever. It doesn't need to be anything fancy, just four waratahs and a bit of scrub with wire around it to hold it together. You know, you're away, so that's really it. And, and then there's the whole drinking culture thing, and I touched on this during our last interview as well. And it's something that does put some people off duck shooting. That's got a culture or has a perceived culture that what happens, you get up, you have your first tickle in the morning, and then you're, you're rocking through the day. And um, I've, I've heard stories of guys in my mys, you know, they're getting rained steel on, you know, as, uh, because the guys next door have had way too much to, to drink. That culture seems to be starting to change. And look, we're not being the fun police here. Uh, I've got, I know a lot of old guys that go out and they have a scotch the moment they arrive and that might be their thing. They're not getting snotted. It's just tradition. Um, but that culture's changing and I still think it probably needs to change a little bit more, doesn't it? I believe it definitely has changed. I mean, I can remember coming up here years ago and there was uh, two old guys, uh, local guys, and there were three empty sherry flagons on the ground and they were tucking into their fourth one. Um, and, man, I, I stared a very, very wide berth because I could see what they were doing and I don't know how the hell they were even shooting. But these days, it doesn't seem as common. A lot, a lot of guys are actually taking it a lot more seriously. You know, they won't open a beer or, you know, RTD or whatever until after, uh, you know, the guns are away. And, they, hey, you know, and that's what it should be. I mean, I'm a bit stauncher than that. I don't drink personally and it's my, 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 and my rules are no alcohol, you know. So it is changing, but it's good that it's changing. You know, there's a lot... A lot less near misses and accidents, you know, which is at the end of the day, you know, I want to go home. You know, I do love my wife, even though some might say why. Um, but, <laughs> oh God, I'm going to pay for that one. Um, you know, it's just like the drink, you know, the drink driving laws have changed, you know, and people are taking it more seriously. So, you know, good on them. Okay, Mike, well, look, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me out here and, and 
you know, this is kind of your spot, and we've had a, a really good day, and we're going to continue to have a good afternoon, I'm sure. So, so thank you for that, and it, it is appreciated. And um, we're using your ammo, so you got you loaded this, and so let's let's give you a little bit of a plug. Can you tell us a little bit about how what, what people are going to expect with your ammunition? Speed. One of the one of the biggest keys. I mean, you made a comment earlier after you fired uh, the gun that hey, it's got no recoil. Now, that's one of the keys. It is a light load, it's only 7 eighths of an ounce uh, payload, but it is doing 1,750 feet a second. Now, if, you want it, if you're on that sort of speed, go and pay $63, I think it is a box for hypersonic or whatever they call it. That kicks like a mule, it's three, three and a half inches. Um, speed, 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 speed kills, you know, a bit like the old driving ads. Man, you don't give these birds a two second rule, you swing onto them and you pull the trigger and they fall out of the sky as you've seen. Um, low recoil, high speed, and quality componentry. It's not, it's not cheap, but it's not that expensive either. It's a sort of mid-range price, um, you know, sort of two fifty a slab. So quality and speed. And obviously, this year it's probably getting a bit late for someone to to give this a go. But if they're interested in talking to you about their ammunition for next year, how do they find you? Uh, website which is uh, faltonreloading.co.nz uh, or shortly it'll just be .nz, no co in there um, or 027 268 And the beauty of this being a podcast and not real radio is you can rewind and get that phone number so we're not going to repeat it but remember faltonreloading.co.nz and uh, give Mike a call, he's very approachable and he can start to give you a little bit of advice and, and pass on some of that knowledge but also sell you something which is obviously the goal <laughs> here so Mike once again thank you very much and let's do this again next year eh? yeah look it's been a real pleasure you know you haven't fired at a duck since you're a kid and it you know it, it gives me no no more joy to bring someone out like yourself who is a novice and you know you see you shoot your first duck and the smile on your face was actually quite priceless so you know hey no problems at all anytime now remember, if you'd like to win that great 12-month subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine, all you've got to do is be active on our page or via email. I know a good chunk of you don't have Facebook, so it's not restricted to Facebook users or Twitter users. All you need to do is email me, let you know, let me know who you are and what you think of the show, both good and bad. I'm a big boy. I can take criticism as long as it's constructive. But if you'd like to be involved, that's all you need to do. Like things, share things comment on things and yes you could win that great 12 month subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine and in coming months you're going to learn a whole lot more about me I don't know if that's going to make you want to buy it or not So, and that's in that NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine those guys over there produce a really good product and it could be all yours free of charge and it could be your photo up there as the fan of the month Again, thank you for tuning in. I can't believe so many of you do every single week uh, and listen to me gas bag on to you for around half an hour. It's been a pleasure. Be safe out there and good hunting. Casting from an undisclosed location. 
from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.